the basic, uh, we're going to read Luke chapter 5, and um, I'm going to begin in verse 17. If you don't have your Bible, I think you can follow along on the screen as well. It says this, one day Jesus was teaching, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. Oh, come on, let me, just let me get my notes together here. One day Jesus was teaching and the, oh, I just, the one day I, I was courageous, I didn't have even a backup paperwork. I always read my backup paperwork and I never use it, and so today I decided, ah, who needs that? But, um. Just bear with me a second. You got Luke chapter 5? All right. One day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into their house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to go to this... To, to, they, when they could not find a way to go, go this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him uh, on his mat. Bear with me. Let me just get my Bible here because my computer just got all corrupted. I can't, I'm reading two words in one. and uh, All right. It's so quiet in here. I could drop a pin. <laughs> Come on. You should be worshiping, shout out on a Sunday, praying in the Holy Ghost. But God bless our pastor, you know. <laughs> All right, that's what I'm talking about. There we go. There we go. Let me get it. Let me, re- let me read it from the, from the written word. And now it works. Great. Okay. <laughs> Let's give it another try. I am in verse 19. When they could not find not find a way to do this because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and lowered him into his mouth through the towel into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Man, aren't you glad you want the homeowner that day where Jesus was doing his teaching? Man, so when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Now look at your neighbor and say, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Oh, your sins are forgiven. We know what King James meant. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? How can he forgive sins? But God alone. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things? And notice, he says, why are you not thinking these things with your mind or in your head? He says, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want, to sh- I, want to, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Come on, say get up. Yeah. He, and God spoke to him and he says, get up and walk. But I want... Got up and walk, and immediately, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been laying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was so amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. 
I mean, if you were in that room, you would have gone home saying the same thing. Wasn't that incredible? Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that wonderful what we saw today? I want to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask bless, that you would bless the word of God today. We ask, Lord, that you would touch our hearts to receive what you have in store for us. Let it not return to you void again, we pray. Let it accomplish in our hearts the purpose for which you sent it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you about the title of the message is simple, it's just friends. I'm a simple man if you've ever met one. I'm not complicated at all. But uh, the story is so stunning to me because these guys had a goal. The friend was sick. I'm assuming they were friends. The Bible doesn't say that they were friends, but you don't do that just for no one. This guy needed healing. He was sick. He was paralyzed. We don't know what the condition was. And we don't know how many friends he had. I'm sure it wasn't an army. I would imagine two or four. Who knows? But the person that could heal him, the person that could bring healing was Jesus. Now think about the paralyzed man. He's the one needing healing. He's the one that, uh, but he could not get to Jesus physically. Why? Because of his condition. But the friends would not be stopped. The friends would not be hindered. They would come and try to get an audience with Jesus. And there was, the crowds were there. They couldn't get away in the door. Uh, there was opposition every direction they came. But they, they were so determined that we want our friend to come. And I love how the Bible puts it. That, they, that when they went up there and go, 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 went outside the box, they, thought, they were creative in the way they thought. They, they ripped somebody's roof. I, I hope uh, uh, they, they paid, they compensated the guy after it was done, you know. Or his insurance at least. Uh, who knows? That was the last thing in their minds. What is deductible? How much is this deductible? They just wanted to get the guy in the presence of Jesus. Because they knew their friend will come. If the, Jesus, he will come to, in the face and face Jesus, that he will be healed. And I thought it was really interesting in the passage that Jesus doesn't heal him first. And he's impressed with something um, uh, He's impressed with the faith of the friends. I don't know if they're paralytic. I don't know if he could talk. We don't hear any. He definitely could hear Jesus. But he didn't say, we, we, we don't see any account of him talking or asking Jesus or praying. The friends came in and Jesus was impressed by the faith of his friend. And he says, when he saw, the Bible says, when he saw the faith of his friends, He said, your sins are forgiven. There are times in our lives and there are people in our lives that would never see Jesus unless we stand in the gap for them. They don't even know the source. And they might know the source, but they don't even have a way to get to Jesus. I think this happens all the time. It tells me, and and it was interesting that God forgave him. Jesus forgave him of his sins before he would heal him. And he started up some religious folks that had started and thought, man, this is crazy. I'm sure they whispered. I'm going to show you. It's like when I preach and I see people whisper. It's all right. 
Our God is greater. Our God is strong. And Jesus did not call them out by what they said. He said, why are you thinking this in your heart? The problem was not their mind, what they were thinking. The problem was within their hearts. And that's what God was trying to address. What Jesus was trying to address is the condition of their heart, their faith in God. You see, we were built for relationships. God created us for relationship. Have you ever wondered why God will create everything? In the very first book of the Bible, God will create everything and will create human beings last. He created the sun, the moon, da 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 when the whole creation. And then, and then on the sixth day, the Bible says that God says, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, according to our plan. Let us da 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 Then God, after he created man, God decided, I'm going to chill. I need to rest. You think God was tired? He needed rest? The creator of all things, the infinite one, the great I am, the everlasting God, the one who was, the one who is, and his, the one that is to come. The Bible says he never gets weary. He never gets tired. But I think that God created, took the seventh day to rest because he wanted to enjoy relationship and fellowship with man. That's why he created man in his own image and likeness. He created us for relationship. He created us for friendship. He created us to enjoy his presence. The Bible says that Adam and Eve in the coolness of the day, God would come into the goodness and he would enjoy fellowship. They will enjoy friendship, communion with God. We were created to connect. It is in the fabric of our being. We seek to connect. We seek to uh, friendship. We seek relationships. Sometimes because we have that indebted need inside of us to, to seek acceptance and connection and all that, sometimes we even make mistakes and fall for the wrong ones because there is a need and a desire in us to connect. Why do you think Facebook and Twitter and Instagram did so well? It opened a realm of connectivity. And now, even the news media sometimes will report on what's on Facebook. Oh, the hashtag, I'm a Christian, has been catching fire since da-da-da-da. The hashtag, this, you know why? We We are created to connect. We are created for relationship. God has put in us a sense of relationship. I thought the word that Jesus used there was absolutely fabulous. That he would call that man a friend. He said, friend, this guy didn't even know Jesus. He wasn't healed yet. He, he was still laying down there and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Before Jesus would die on the cross, before he would shed his blood, before he would do all that, your sins are forgiven. That the son of God has authority to forgive sin on earth, even before the cross. See where I'm going? Jesus would come, and he would come after, uh, continue his ministry, and he would call people to have a place of relationship with him. The Bible says that he would walk before he ever started his ministry and call different ones. He'd find them at a different place and says, come and walk with me. Become my disciple. And he recruited 12 people. Jesus had many, many people in his life. 
When he spoke, the Bible says multitudes followed him. Here in this house that we read upon, he was speaking and the house was so crowded that people could not even get away to say, excuse me, let me just go here and talk to you. He was so crowded. But he still spent his life with a few friends. Because friendship goes beyond just um, doing things together. When I have my true friends, I can mess up in what I said. They don't listen to my, the words of my mouth. They listen to my heart. I can have a conversation and say something that, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. If I'd said that to a stranger, they would be so upset with me. I say someone, if I said that to someone that's suspicious of me, they would be so upset with me. But when they know my heart, when they know, when they are friends, they don't listen to what you say. They listen to what you're saying with your heart. And so friendships, they forgive multitudes of sin. And everything that we do of God, whether it's growing in our relationship with you, he's call, Him, He's calling us into a place of fellowship, a place of friendship with God. And if we are to grow in Him, we can't devise any other methods. We cannot come up with our plan A, B, and C. We can find, if we follow the Master's plan, I think we grow the most. When we follow the Master's plan, we get blessed the most. When we follow the Master's plan, we see more miracles. God uses people. God blesses people. His plan is for people. His church is the instrument. When he says, I'm calling you to make disciples of all nations, what does that mean? (laughs) It's relationship. It's relationship. I believe this with everything in me. That revival is not going to be initiated by a great big crusade. Or God will raise up mighty man of God in America that will cause people to come to repentance and turn their faith to God. No. God will change this country when those who are called by his name, when they humble themselves and pray, when they seek God's face, when they reach their neighbor, when they reach their community, we don't have to all reach 500 people just touching one person. I think the world can be turned upside down because when people are changed by the power of Jesus, when they meet Jesus, when they come, like this guy came into the presence of Jesus, his life was never the same. He got there. He, he, he went through the cross, could not get in. But when they got him to the place of the presence of Jesus, his life changed. He was touched by God. That's not different than for you and I. When we encounter his presence, when we encounter Jesus, we are changed. The Bible says that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures evermore. Sometimes we are praying. Sometimes we are seeking. Sometimes we are stressed. And all we need to do is to be in his presence. We seek happiness. We seek joy. We look for happiness for all the wrong places. And when we find a place of being in his presence, all of a sudden, things, the troubles of life begin to look different. Our perspective change. We begin to see things differently. And the weight gets lifted off of us because we are in the presence of Jesus. The Bible says that in his presence, I say that, that there is fullness of joy. It also says that in his presence, uh, there is freedom. Ever felt like you're, uh, maybe your life is closing in on you and you just need to be free. You want to dance. You want to you, you wanna just be free and relax. We find that in his presence. That's why we emphasize on worship so much in this place. That's why we sing like the way we do. 
That's why we, we spend time. We will take extra time so we could worship. Because there is a transaction that takes place in the heavenly places. When God's people begin to worship Him, He said, If I be lifted up on the earth, that I will draw all men to me. So when we praise, we are lifting Jesus up. We're saying, Hey, I don't care what my week was been. God is still God. I don't care that I'm going through trouble. God is still God. Maybe I'm on a mountaintop. God is still God and He's worthy of my praise. And I put everything aside. And there's a transaction that goes on. The Bible says that as we are praises rise up to Him. The Bible says when the worship is sincere from the heart that God is seeking. Worshippers who worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. As we raise our praises up. That the presence of God comes. There's a transaction going on. We are lifting Him up. His presence is manifested in our lives. And all the troubles of the world became, become dimmer and dimmer. The thing that you could not stand. The thing that kept you up all night, all of a sudden look so tiny because you're in the presence of the Almighty God. It is about relationship. It is not about duty, obligation, doing things out of a necessity or planning our way into the presence of God. Absolutely not. Is embracing His goodness. Is embracing and enjoying fellowship with God. When we talk about discipleship, it is about friendship. Story we read, you see friends that were so determined. They knew the answer. They knew that their friends can be healed. They had faith in God. They knew that God can heal their friend. But their friend was not in a place in his life where he could get himself into the presence of God. He needed people that cared enough to say, hey, he can't do it, but we're going to do it for him. God didn't, Jesus did not act on, uh, uh, and, and respond to the faith of the sick man. Jesus acted and responded to the faith of his friends. He saw their faith and he forgave him. He saw their faith and he healed him. He saw their faith and he spoke revelation knowledge to the Pharisees. The faith of these people generated God's response on not just the sick man, but his friends, as well as the naysayers. God was also glorified. To the Pharisees. This is everybody went on and said, oh my goodness, wasn't it awesome? Today we have seen marvelous things. We are so overjoyed with the goodness of the Lord. Discipleship is the call that we have been called to make by God. He said the great commission says that we are to go and make disciples. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, here's one assignment that I'm giving you. Go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And yes, if you do this, I am with you. I will never leave you. I'm with you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a great commission. Unfortunately, oftentimes when you hear the word discipleship, when you hear words like evangelism, when you hear words like that, it comes with a, with a, with a, with a weight upon our shoulders sometimes. So we think we have to do more. And oftentimes it's actually less. I'm telling you the Pharisees were the guys who knew how to do more. They knew how to do more. They understood every line of the scripture, every exclamation point, everything, every, um, every, everything about the scripture they understood. That's why they had the audacity to question Jesus every time he did something that was unconventional. How can a man, how, 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 how dare you? Say such a thing. Your sins are forgiven. Only God. Well, we've read the Bible. I've read this thing. 
Only God forgives sins. How dare you do that? It wasn't the average Jews that didn't know the word that were questioning Jesus. Or those that knew the word. They're the ones that were questioning Jesus. Because they were so many uh, scripture and verse. And they were absolutely obsessed with their works. Here's what the Bible says. That our own righteousness is like filth rags before the Lord. Our own righteousness. Our doings. God looked and said, so you're trying to impress me? Try that again. I cannot impress God at all. And I tell you, you can't either. Even, think, even, if, you think you, even if you think you can. None of us, not, not, not one of us, can obtain the type of righteousness that will be acceptable and pleasing to the Lord. We can't do it on our own. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we even have the opportunity to face the Lord. And he doesn't see us through our works. He sees us through the lens of the blood of the Lamb. And I know when you know that truth and it's so clear in your heart, you become a worshiper that worships differently. You begin to pray differently. You live your life differently because your praise is a result of gratefulness. Not that I, as a Christian, I'm supposed to praise. I'm supposed to go to church. I'm supposed to give. No, it is, you're doing everything is an offering of thanksgiving because of the, you see how much has been given to you by the generosity of a God who loves us. That's how I worship. That's how I praise. That's how I pray. And there are some times that we feel weak, weak in the flesh, weak because we are disappointed with ourselves. We, are dis- we know that we have disappointed God. But the Bible says, has even speaks about that. That in that place of weakness, that's when God's strength is manifested the most. The Bible says that uh, His strength is made, um, his, oh, His power is made strong in our weakness. Why is that significant? Because at the, when you are at the pit, when you can't do it on your own, is when God is glorified the most. Because no credit, all credits go to Him. And then your praise and your prayer is authentic. Your sacrifice is authentic. Your giving is authentic. It's not because I'm better than everybody else. No, it's because I am just so thankful for what he has done for me. Amen. So going back to the place of discipleship, I want you to say this. Discipleship is friendship. It is not obligation. So when we are called to discipleship, by Christ. I want you, if you come here and, uh, and if you need a re-sermon, I will preach to you alone. I want you to get this right. That God is not waiting for us with a sense of obligation. Even the Great Commission, though it's a commandment from the Lord, it really has to be received in uniting people and connecting people to a place of relationship. And our force, our motivation also should be drawn out of a place of relationship. I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my family. I work so hard to provide for them. When someone needs something and I can do something for 
to take care of their need. I'll go out of my way to do it. You would do the same thing. Why? You're driven by love. You're driven by care. It should be no different when we serve the Lord. Somebody, oh, the pastor said we must do this, and if we don't, we're going to burn. That's not, that is the wrong motivation. It's like, I know what God wants to do on the earth. He said this, that it is not his will that anyone shall perish, but all may come to the knowledge of the Son of God. I know that's God's desire, that no one should perish. And he's put me in this, on this earth. He, uh, he has raised me in this generation. Brought me and gave me the life that I have today. He's put His Spirit inside of me. He has saved me, sanctified me, filled me with His Spirit. And I, He said that I will equip you with everything you need to touch your world. I do it because I love it. I know it pleases the Lord when people are saved. It pleases the Lord when men are come to repentance. It pleases the Lord when people come to the realization of our sinfulness and how much we need Christ. I need Him the same way. When I, that motivates me. So I want to encourage you as you go, continue this fourth quarter of the year. Can you believe that? I feel like 2015 just started and it's October already, you know. Maybe there are some things that God put in your heart at the beginning of the year. <laughs> and right now they are history, and you're thinking, man, we are almost to the last, qu- it's the last quarter, man. The football analogy is so easy to, to use sometimes. But we know this season, as Hus- those who are Husker fans in this room, that the game isn't over until it's... I need to repent. Oh, no. <laughs> but you know, the year, the year is not over until it's over. One day is like a thousand to the Lord. A thousand days is like one. What, you can, what, what would take your lifetime to do, God can do it at a snap of a finger. Anything is possible with God. Oh my goodness. The Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. God is able, as Pastor Chris said earlier, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, think, and even imagine. You get on prayer. You need to say, yeah. You need to raise your faith. It is faith that impresses God. It wasn't like, hey, I saw what you did. The action of the friends that broke up somebody's roof. <laughs> I wish I would have read, you know, it's like I wish I would have read the other part of the story. What did the owner do? But I'm sure he was so overjoyed he didn't even care. But it is the faith of the friends that impress God. See, the Bible says that it is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And anyone who comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him seek the lord while he may be found call on him while he is near it is time to seek the lord amen and continue to because he rewards those who seek him again listen to the words closely it's seeking him not just his blessings not the things that he has not his favor no no there's nothing wrong with prayer like that But when we seek him, when we find him, all the benefits of the Lord come with that. 
His healing, His deliverance, His blessings, His favor, His provision, His protection. Everything of God. When we find Him, we find everything. The text we read, they did not ask Jesus to heal their friends. Do you see that? Or did I miss that? They did not ask Jesus to heal their friends. They knew Jesus can heal his friends. They said they wanted to bring him in front of Jesus. They wanted to let him see the face of Jesus. They wanted him to be in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus healed him. And healed him first of something that he needed and he didn't even know. He healed him first of his sins. He got him saved (laughs) before he even healed him. Isn't that something? They brought him to him. But when we come to him, he's got everything. We read this morning that the earth is the Lord. It's fullness thereof. Everything we need. He knows exactly our prayer even before we start praying. He knows what we need. Does it mean we don't ask? No, we still ask. But our motivation, it should be to know him. Because it's those that know their God, the Bible says, that they will be strong. It's those that know their God that will do mighty exploits. It's not knowing about the Lord, it's knowing God. Amen? Three friendships that God is calling us to, do, to have. And I, one is, a, is friendship with God. And I think I covered all. Listen to what John 15, 15 says. This is Jesus. He says, I no longer call you servants. Because servants do not know his master's business. Does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. He calls us friends. Amen? I love it when God calls you a friend. James 2.23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. Again, he had faith in God. And it was credited for him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Faith is what makes you a friend of God. Abraham lived well before the crucifixion, but he was called a friend of God. Why? Because he had faith in God. Faith impresses. Faith moves God. My righteousness is like filth rust to God. It doesn't impress him. But my faith can impress him. Jesus was impressed with faith all the time. The guy, the, the centurion that came to him to ask for uh, his uh, servant to be healed. And, and, and Jesus says, well, I'll come to your house. And the guy says, hey, 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 wait a minute. You don't even have to come to my house. All you got to do is speak your word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says, wow, this is, we are onto something here. He says, I haven't seen even such faith in all of Israel. Faith impresses God. My works, my doing, my righteousness does not even come close to, to impressing him. But faith takes us to a place of relationship, of fellowship, and friendship with God. Secondly, it's the friendship with, with the friendship with the Lord. And, uh, well, first is the friendship with the Lord. Secondly, is the friendship, uh, friendship in the Lord. Let me say by what we mean. When we come to Jesus, we are attached to a place, we, are, we become members of the body of Christ. Now, as Lincoln City Church, we're an expression of the body. One day, we're going to meet up with him. And we will see people from every nation, every generation. Me, to me, that, that is more exciting to me to meet people of other generations. I like genealogy. 
I wish I could trace genealogy. Uh, well, except for my, my tribal group in Kenya, they have it all mixed up because they're not, they, they name one of half the tribe I am, they don't, you don't carry the same family name. It's just, half, one tribe does, the other one does not, you are named after people. And so you, when you see people, when you hear a certain name, you're like, hey, there's a chance we are related somewhere out there because of that name has carried out. But you could have two brothers with two different last names. Now, it's not all of Kenya. It's just certain tribes that do that. And boy, for a guy that lacks genealogy and one side of my family did it that way, all you could do is face to face. And I only know four generations. And for me, I'm like, Jesus, you know, you got to show me. How did it happen, you know, <laughs> that I wanted up where I did? You know, isn't that exciting to know those facts? Maybe to some of you, it's not. It's like, yeah, I just want to go there and sing. I'm like, <laughs> I want to go there and learn. Uh, but that excites me. But when we come to the Lord, we are part of a greater body. But we are called to a, a place of following Jesus, and we walk together. And you see through the history of the early church that they walked together. In fact, the Bible says that they had all things in common. Someone says, oh, isn't that socialist? I'm like, no, it's not socialist. Because they were not forced to do anything. They gave willingly out of their hearts. Nobody came in and says, you must give. No, they said, oh, man, you need this. They were giving things away out of their hearts. I wasn't saying, well, Sarah, I want your money. I'm going to give it to Gary. No. It's like she had to out of her heart. So, okay. Why did I go there? Because someone said that. But anyway, um, but you see, the power of the gospel moving in the first generation was the power of friendship that they had with one another. When we talk in this, that's why we have a vision of growing and, as a church and getting people connected through small groups because it facilitates a place where we can be friends. And we come on Sunday to celebrate the Lord. We come on Sunday to worship the Lord. We come on Sunday to be inspired by the Word of God. Come on Sunday for that. But I can honestly tell you, I try to shake as many hands as I can, hug as many people as I can on Sunday, but it's always like, hey, good to see you. God bless you. How many know that's really sarcasm? Come on. It's true. It's not fake, but it's just sarcasm. You don't know what someone's week was like. And if you sat down and asked them how their week was like, we would not have any service. But in a small group, we can care for one another. We can pray for one another. And where here, it's not so much about knowledge, but it's really sharing our experiences and how the word applies in our situation. When I know a brother got promoted and he's been waiting for a long time for that promotion, I celebrate with him. When I know that they're struggling right now, maybe they just go to work every day and it's mundane and just, 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 we can stand with friends. And that's what those four guys did. This is, man, you've been on that uh, bed for so long and we know a guy. We know a guy that can heal you. We know a solution and we're going to come behind you. We're going to stand with you. We can't do it ourselves, but we're going to do what we can do. We're going to take you to the one. We can pray together. As the church grows, the Danger is becoming an institution where there, is no, there are no relationships. How many know that that can happen? We can have a Walmart church, 
a target church. You go go in, <laughs> you go get whatever you need, you go out. Man, I give in and give my service and I'm out. But that's not the way God designed it. We are members. The Bible says we're individually members of one another. So when we encourage people to get connected to small groups, is that really is to allow for relationships to grow. But those groups help these three relationships that I'm talking about. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and friendship with the lost. In the room where Jesus was sitting and doing all these miracles, all those groups were represented. People that didn't know him. The guy on the couch, I don't think he knew him. The religious leaders knew about the Lord. They knew about the Lord. And God and Jesus was God in person. And all those relationships were going on. I'll tell you a story. When I came to the Lord, uh, in our Go book, if you ever read the Go book or help somebody go through it when they are new believers, we have them in the lobby. I, I share my testimony on how I came to the Lord. And it was really interesting because um, um, I was just playing basketball with some friends in the neighborhood. And, uh, and, and some guys were like, oh, I got to run. I got to go to a cell group. And I thought, what in the world is a cell group? And in my head, I'm trying to think, man, is it, do they actually meet in a jail? Or what, what, what? And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm bugging my friend. His name was Jeff. And I have, I'm so blessed to have my family here with me today. My mother over there from Kenya. <laughs> she arrived this week. Uh, Mom, you can stand so they can see. Some of them are looking back. Stand up and just wave so they see you. All the way from Kenya there. Yep. My sister Josephine right here too. You can stand and wave to you. Well, well, I'm going to embarrass you exactly. So, and, and of course, my brother and sister-in-law are here as well. But uh, she, my sister goes back to Kenya on Wednesday. But so when I mention names, it's weird when I mention names. They can, relate, they can tell who these people are. So my friend Jeff, maybe I should serve Jeff uh, some trouble, but I, I'm thinking, man, you've got to tell me what this is about. Can I come to the cell group? <laughs> I, if I'd known what the cell group was, I probably would, at that point in my life, I would have probably not gone to. T- just a teenager, and he says, well, uh, you can come, it's open, you know. So, and, uh, so I went to the cell group, and it was a small group meeting in the neighborhood. And they worship and do revival and they were all friendly and da 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 da. And I actually enjoyed it. And they meet every Thursdays. And I came every week I came. And the people in the group became, I became friends with. But I had not made my decision for Christ at that point. And it was actually not that I didn't want. It was actually my friend Jeff was a stumbling block for me. Because I knew what the kid was doing when he wasn't in front of his dad or in front of his the small group and the church people. So I thought, God, you know, I like you. I want, my li- I want to give my life to you, but I want to be real. I don't want to be like Jeff. So that's what I was thinking. And so I'm holding it off. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll wait, but I'm, I, I, I just continue. And you know, I went to that group for months. We weren't going to church as a family at that time at all. I had not been in church for years at that point. Maybe Christmas or Easter, one of those Sundays. <laughs> but I had not been in church for years. But I went to that group. And those guys just were so friendly. And we, they had interest in my life. And we, one time they had a picnic. And we were playing. And say, on a Saturday, I said, well, but why don't you come to church with us tomorrow? And I went to church. 
and that was the beginning of my new life. I gave my heart to Jesus. He saved me. I thought, man, how in the world? Uh, or has this church always been here? Is it like this every Sunday? Or is it just a special Sunday? I'm thinking, it was only just like five miles from my house. I never knew the place existed. But it was a friend. Not even an eager friend. But it was a friend that got me there. And my walking faith started challenging my friends, you know. I brought my sister Veronica to church the next Sunday, and her friend, uh, Caroline, got saved. And all these kids in the neighborhood start, they started coming, coming to the Lord. And there was like a revival of young people coming to the Lord. And most, uh, within a year or so, most of my family had come to the Lord. We had small groups at our house all the time. But I, now looking back, you see the power. When it was happening, it was just every day. I'm going to go to study. But God in his special way was doing things that we could not calculate in our own doing. We were just there, enjoying the goodness of God, enjoying the fellowship of God with other believers. They think, Pastor, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I can't go to group. I tell you, if your diet, uh, spiritual diet, is on Sunday morning, and an hour and a half, and when the pastor goes three minutes over, because he tends to do that all the time, you're eating. I'm telling you, that's not going to be enough. Because God didn't design it for that. We come here to celebrate Him and to worship Him. But the real life is walking with friends. That's why we encourage people to join small groups. Not to add things to your schedule. Please hear me. Hear me out. Has I would like things eliminated in my schedule. I have seven kids. But I go to group. I go to group every week. And I preach and I go to group every week. Why? Are there times that I go that I'm tired? Absolutely. But it's not a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Because we learn from each other's experience. I get encouraged by a guy that just got saved today. He doesn't even know the the books of the Bible or anything. But still they can speak and minister to my life and I can exchange and minister to their lives. That's why God says we have to humble ourselves. If my people humble themselves, sometimes we get so spiritually knowledgeable that we take on pride like the Pharisees did. They think, hey, how dare you blaspheme God because they have put themselves above everybody else. But the Bible says even a little child can teach us. We have to be humble people. Think, well, I don't need it. Maybe someone else needs what you have. It's not all about you. Maybe you could add to it. Maybe the very thing that they're missing out is you. So today what we decided to do is actually have some of our small group leaders be available. Because sometimes people think, oh, well, I I, want to be a group, but I don't know how to join a group. I don't know how to get... There's some going to be some small group leaders after the church that you can connect to and just try to find if you can be connected to a group. I tell you, your life will never be the same. Mine was changed by being a part of the group. I'm continually being changed by meeting with small group of friends and praying together. I think I can say, hey, here's what I want you to pray for me. And we pray for one another and we share the word of God together. Lastly, and the story that I gave you is that we are to be friends with the lost. Jesus was called a friend of sinners. And he says, no greater love 
has, has greater love has no one than this to lay one's life for a friend. Jesus was not embarrassed. He was not, um, he was not too religious to be identified as a friend of sinners. In fact, they used that. It wasn't a good thing. It was a mockery. They were mocking him when they called him a friend of sinners. It wasn't like a good special title. They were mocking him, but he didn't care because he cared for the person. He cared for the people, and he cared more so for their soul. Amen? If all your friends are believers, how can you get anybody saved? Okay, I think I rest my case. The point is made. <laughs> but you know, even when you're relating to non-believers, sometimes Christians, we could get ourselves into this place where we see... We think we are superior. And so we talk down on people. And that is absolutely distasteful and keeps people from God. But true friends don't do that. They don't do that. They are humble because they know that I'm not better than you. <laughs> not at all. All I did is I, just, I, I received the gift that God gave me. That's all I did. That's what you did. God, salvation is a free gift from God. All I did is say, Lord, I thank you. And I received it. That's the only thing that makes me different than any, the guy down the street. Not that I'm any better at all. And because I receive it, God's changing my life day by day. And I'm being transformed and looking more and more like Jesus. So when they see me, they see a little bit of Jesus. They think, no, no, no I'm better. It's because I just continue to receive from the same well, the same well, day by day, day by day. God, thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. I pray for forgiveness this morning. I pray for forgiveness every day. And I thank God for his mercy every day. Let's stand up. Amen. Did you receive anything from God? Come on, give him praise in the house. Come on. He calls us friends. He wants us to walk with others, believers. Together we can be friends of God. But he also wants us to help use us to introduce others into that place of friendship with him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your goodness. You said in your word that it is the goodness of the Lord that draws us to repentance. We are overwhelmed when we think about your goodness, Lord. It overwhelms our souls. It overwhelms our hearts. And we are compelled to respond by thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness of sin. Thank you for your life is amazing. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is a friend, a comforter, a helper to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to just in your seats begin to thank God. Begin to thank God for your salvation. Just begin to thank God out of your own voice. Just tell him how much he means to you. Don't ask him for anything. Just begin to thank him right now. Come on. I'm louder than all of you. Begin to thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With unified voice, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the great mercy that you have shown us. Thank you, Lord, that we can worship in your presence today, Lord. Thank you. For Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer, thank you, Lord.
that you have called us friends, Lord. In Jesus' name. In that attitude of worship and prayer, I want to pray for a special person. I want every eyes closed, head bowed, just out of respect of his presence. Maybe you are not a friend of God. You're not very sure that you can be a friend of God. God is calling you today. And really, it starts with one thing. Like I shared my story, it started with me giving my heart to Jesus and asking him to come into my life. Maybe you've never done this in your life. And today you're here, and you just want a fresh start with God. If that's you in this place, I just want you to raise your hand. I have my eyes open because I want to just acknowledge you because I want to pray a special prayer for you. You can become a friend of God. And the first step is always giving your heart to Jesus. If that's you, I just raise your hand and I'll pray for you right now. I'm watching. Thank you. Anybody. Thank you, sir. Put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm going to pray with this gentleman. I want you all to pray with me. Let's pray together on our time. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I come to you today. I come to you today. Just as I am. Just as I am. I thank you. I thank you. That you died on the cross. That you died on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. Today I repent of my sins. Today I repent of my sins. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come into my life. I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. I want to be called a friend of God. I want to be called a friend of God. I ask you. To be my Lord. To be my Lord. And my Savior. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask the communion team to come. The worship team is going to lead us in some songs. Get the elements. We're going to take communion together. You'll get both elements. Just hold on to them, and we'll come and pray at once. Um, You can start passing them now. If you're not a member of Lincoln City Church, but you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're also welcome to partake communion. As they lead us in songs, we'll come back and pray for communion. Thank you, Lord. This is my story. This is my song.
of his spirit washed in his blood sing it together this is my story this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my submission all is at rest I and my Savior am happy and blessed watching and waiting looking above filled with in his love and this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is The Bible says that the bread represents the body of Jesus, which was broken and beaten for us, for our sins, for remission of sins. I'd like to give you just a couple of seconds to think on your God and to think about the sacrifice that was made for you on that old rugged cross. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you went to the cross mm. and that through your sacrifice, we have forgiveness of sin, Lord. We thank you, Lord, because you didn't have to do it, but you did. Mm. And you did it thinking of me and you did it thinking of my brothers. Thank so you. we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. You can take the bread. Amen. <clears throat> thank you, Lord. On the same token, the Lord... Not only bless the body, bless the bread, you also bless the cup. And this is the cup represents the blood that was shed on the tree, not only for our sins, but for our victory. That we no longer are called servants or strangers, that he calls us friends of God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. The blood that washes away all of our sins. We thank you for the perfect sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, that this cup represents your shed blood on the Calvary tree. And Lord, you shed your blood, the blood that overcame 
death, hell, and the grave, the blood that has made us your children, that we are adopted into the family of God, and we are called friends of God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus and what it represents for our soul. As we partake of the blood today, we declare all the blessings that are associated with the blood of Jesus. We declare in our lives victory over death, victory over grave, victory over sins, victory over the power of the enemy, victory over every lying spirit in the name of Jesus, that we walk as victorious people, full of joy because of the blood of Jesus. We thank you and we take it with a heart that is grateful and a heart that is thankful, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's take the cup. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just begin to thank God with your own voice. Just begin to thank God for what he's done. Pass it to the middle aisle, and then we're going to continue to worship the Lord, and I'll come back. You are always fighting for us. Heaven's angels all around. My delight is found in knowing that you wear the victor's crown. You're my help and my defender. You're my savior and my friend. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you. At the mention of your greatness. At the mention of your greatness. In your name I will bow down. In your presence fear is silent. For you wear the victors. Let your glory fill the temple. Let your power overflow. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you. Hallelujah. You have overcome. You have overcome. Hallelujah. You are ever interceding as the lost become the found. You can never be defeated, for you wear the victor's crown. You are Jesus, the Messiah. You're the hope of all the world. By your grace, I live and breathe to worship you. Hallelujah. You have overcome. 
You have overcome. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You have overcome. You have overcome. At the cross, the work was finished. You were buried in the ground. But the grave could not contain you, for you wear the victor's crown. And Be 